Hello, and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online service. We're so excited to have you with us. Make sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to our messages, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the service. love you, Father. We thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Love you guys. My name's Lindsay. I uh, just wanted to take a minute to welcome everyone here, especially visitors either in person or um, on, you know, virtually on the TV or the webcam thing. Sorry. Um, I am a member here. I've been here for about maybe four or five years now. I consider this my home church. So I just wanted to take a moment to welcome all of you here, especially those maybe here for the first or second time. We appreciate that you have chosen us. We know it's not super easy these days with COVID and all that to make connection and, you know, form relationships as adults. So we encourage you to maybe give us a couple of tries, three, four times um, to just give us a chance because we love you guys and we really, you know, take that seriously that you you chose us this Sunday. You couldn't have gone anywhere else. So, um I would encourage you to fill out a Get Connected card. There's um, one virtually that you can do. You can scan a QR code at the seat back in front of you, or you can just fill one out manually. Swing by the visitor center after church, and one of us will be there to greet you, say hi, and give you a gift. It's a mug filled with goodies uh, just to say thanks. So we love you guys. We thank you again. And at this time, if you could just direct your attention to the screens for the morning announcements. Thanks. Hello, Northeast Christian Church. My name is Pastor Dina, and these are your weekly announcements. Our series on the Book of Romans is live now on our website and our church app. Go to any-cc.org messages, scroll down to sermon series, and click Simple Gospel to re-watch these messages. Consider becoming a prayer partner here at NECC. Prayer requests from our church community are received and sent out weekly over email. Sign up today by emailing dina.torres at lolag.org. Youth Connect will be February 13th during second service. All youth can head over to the overflow room after worship. Our next Serve Our City event will be February 20th at 12.15 p.m. Join us as we help those with needs in Lowell. If you would like to participate, email office at lowellag.org. Org. Hello, Northeast Christian Church. This is Pastor Dylan coming to you with a special announcement for this winter season. We want to be sensitive to our volunteers for the next few months. And because in winter, church attendance just seems to be a little bit smaller, we want to make sure that we don't overextend our volunteers doing double the work. So for this winter, we're going to winter hours where we're only going to be having our 1030 a.m. service. Uh, this will be into the spring and things will return to normal. Uh, this just gives us a little bit of time to be flexible, to give some of our volunteers a break, and to come back together and focus our energies as a church. Uh, thank you for your flexibility, and we're looking forward to the springtime when attendance picks back up to normal, when we can go back to our normal service times of 8.30 and 10.30. But for the time being, we'll be having our 10.30 a.m. service only. Thank you very much for understanding, and we're looking forward to the spring with you. 
If you missed any of these announcements or would like more info on them, please email office at lolag.org. Thank you and enjoy the rest of service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mary Evelyn Cesar, and I'm just privileged to be able to welcome you this morning and uh, take up our tithes and offerings. I want to thank you, first of all, for your worship and for making this church such a welcome place. Uh, I'm not a morning person, which may come as a shock to some of you, um, but uh, it's, it's hard to get up in the morning. But this church, I have since I've started, uh, waking up on Sunday has not been a chore. I'm so excited. One night I was here late on a Saturday evening preparing and um, some ladies walked in, which kind of scared me because I was the only one in the building, but I heard someone come in and they're like, oh, you know, don't mind us. We're just coming to pray. It's like eight o'clock at night and I left about 930 and they were in, in that room praying. That kind of dedication, that kind of faithfulness, it makes you want to be a better Christian. It makes me want to press in a little deeper and a little harder. And it makes worship so much easier when I know that this place has been saturated with prayer. We're going to move prayer um, to earlier uh, on, to, on Sunday morning, which I think is going to be um, just a great move. Um, I, I know Wilson grew up in a church where they would pray before service on Sunday morning. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm sure they'll talk more about that. I'm here to continue our worship and our giving. When, we, uh, when I found Northeast Christian Church just a few months ago, I wasn't looking for a new church. It just kind of, you know, God just put it in my lap. And when I talked to Pastor Paul, one of the things that stuck out was that he shared with me about how this church goes into downtown Lowell through Serve Our City and handing out food and blankets and water and provisions for the community. And that touched my heart after a year of online ministry during COVID, where I felt so far removed from the people. I was just worshiping in front of, in my living room, in front of my cell phone camera each week. I got so dry, so spiritually dry. And when I heard that this church was out there on the streets doing the work of the ministry, I said, that's a kind of church that I want to go to. That's the kind of church I want my children to grow up in. Not just this country club that we just meet on Sundays and feel good about ourselves, but we're going out and we're doing the work just like Jesus would do. I'm proud to be at this church. We ask that you would give as your heart, give generously as God will tell you to give. Um, and just start with that, that first, that first 10% and see what God will do. I challenge you this morning. A couple of ways to give. Uh, you can go online. You can text NECC to 97,000. And we have uh, envelopes in the pews. You can give at any of the drop boxes. Thank you so much for your worship and your giving this morning. Let me pray for you guys. You guys. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of all gifts, God. You're the Father of lights. Your love is abundant. You give us everything we need and exceedingly more. And so all we have to do, Lord, is we put our trust in you, put our faith in you, to listen to the Holy Spirit, what you're asking us to give today. God, we commit ourselves to put you first in our time, to give you the first of our talents, and Lord, the first of our treasure. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Teamwork is dream work. Dylan, I think I have your notebook from last week, and I'm not giving it back. Oh, keeping it. Keeping it. Hey, uh, right from the beginning, first, I want to just say welcome to all of you that uh, went over the river and through the woods, through the white and blistery snow, and are here and took time shoveling and snow blowing or paying somebody to plow 
however it went down for you. And I also want to say hello to every one of you that couldn't be here, that it's complicated with lots of children. I want to say a uh, shout out to Colleen and Damian Smith and Faith Margaret's birth. We just celebrate that with you guys and uh, want you to know we're, we're so happy. There's a beautiful picture on Facebook. I'm not uh, letting out any secret or being a spoiler alert because she went public with it, but, but she had a picture of each of their children holding Faith Margaret, and it was just so beautiful, so beautiful. They are really a family that sets the bar for me to achieve higher of what it is to really be a family unit, and we're just so grateful for them and the years of everything that they've done, from, from counseling to uh, board decisions. Uh, we, would be, we, would, we would have made a lot of mistakes had they not uh, been by our side, and so I'm grateful for you. I also want to just share a little bit of news. Secondly, I, for some, many of you know Maria Rogel. Last night she got word that her nephew passed away in California, and it's just a very raw, sad time. Uh, he was about 35, and so it was an unexpected passing. So just keep her in your prayers. This is what I love about our churches, is that we actually know your name. And uh, one pastor, he's great, great leader, his name was Eugene Peterson. He wrote the, the version of the Bible called The Message. I highly recommend it. Um, but he was a scholar. He turned down his PhD to pastor, and he said, I pray I never have a church above 350 because when you can't be involved in people's lives or know what's going on in their lives, you've become too big. And really, in our day, we solved that with more pastors. And I just am so grateful for all of you because I was the recipient of that. Many of you uh, heard that I went to Connecticut, where my parents live in Fairfield County, New Milford, right on the New York border. And uh, my father's been in the final phases of COPD for 10 years, the doctor has said, but he began getting intense pains inside and was to the hospital. He was, he was rushed to the hospital three times since January, and we couldn't figure out what it was. Finally, they sent him to another hospital, did MRIs, found out he had a compression fracture in his, uh, one of his vertebrae up higher because his whole side would just cramp up. I, it, it was just, it was really agonizing to watch my father in agony. And uh, so I went down there, my wife went down there at one point, the board went out of their way. Listen to this. This is the kind of board we have. They, they reached out to me and they said, Pastor Paul, this is an important time. Please take another week. The church is moving forward. I'm so grateful that we have a church that it's not around a personality or a person. Pastor Dylan's message, the reason I'm keeping this is because it was better than any message I preached on that passage. And so I'm stealing it and I'm not giving you any credit. It was so good. But but we, we, we are a team, and Jesus is the star of this church. And, um, you know, if you put your faith in people, people will fail you. And that's the, the rise and fall of mega churches and mega personalities. But Jesus is the mega Lord who never lets us down. And so our attention and our community is on him. My father is doing well. Um, I want to say thank you to Pam McCaskill. I've never gotten more cards of encouragement from someone and calls of encouragement from so many of you. And uh, that your, being your heart is to say, God, we're praying for you. God's going to strengthen you. And uh, Marcel, I just deeply appreciate you. And uh, when that time comes, this pastor is going to go through grief share, just like all of you, because we have our own journey just as in the same way that you do. We put our attention on Jesus for that. Uh, on the other hand, I'm also very, very excited that I'll be going to Israel with many of you in this room and many of you watching online. On, we leave on Monday, 
Valentine's Day, the 14th. And if you see this red thing on me, I am putting into use those bands. This is kind of like, if you got a sniffle, if you got a snuffle, if you got whatever, please stay away from me. It's not that I don't trust Jesus. I just don't want to put the Lord to the test, right? And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very much, you know, I'll, you'll probably see me breaking that barrier. But again, too, if, if you are sick, they test us. And being uh, one of the lead guides for this, I want to be careful. And uh, it, it's really great. There'll be more trips coming. Last announcement I have to give this. Next week is going to be a very, very special week. Um, just like every single one of you, every single one of us as ministers, there are times in our life where we need to step back because we need to focus on us. And so uh, a while back, you know, when Pastor Thomas began with us, there was just something in his life. He didn't cross a line that couldn't be crossed back or anything, but there was just a challenge in his life. And we realized, and the board realized, we need to have him focus on him, his wife, his family, and his spiritual walk, his um, personal well-being. And so we told him, we want you to step back, but we're not telling you to step away, and we want you to take a season, and that season has come to an end. And so next week, next week, that it, and we commend him, we're, we celebrate that. He, he is a pastor worthy of your trust, worthy of your respect, and I want you to know something. The board of this church is a board that believes, we are a church, if you were to say, what are you all about? We're about, we're about restoration. Because James says, all of us stumble in many ways right? And so with, with this season coming back, we are going to have the lead pastor of all the pastors in the area. His name is Nick Fittato, and he will be with us sharing that Sunday. And we are going to have a moment where we are going to gather around Thomas, and we are going to pray, and we're going to recommission him. And he is going to, I'll tell you what, there isn't that much that changed from what he did. But sometimes, you know, you have to step back and realize that your identity, and this is a challenge with any of us, your identity is not in your job, it's in Jesus. And that's what we were really concerned about was that identity and that drive. There's pressure on us that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to easily see that where we can get as ministers into a performance and a persona about who we are, but never let them sweat, you know, never let them see your shiny side forward. And uh, I just think that if you keep yourself low, it, it doesn't hurt when you fall because you're not that far from the ground. And I'm so grateful for a church here. And uh, to be clear, Thomas did not fall, um, but there were faults that needed mending. And so those, those are mended. And uh, uh, this is going to be a great glorifying moment for the Lord. So if you join me in prayer here, uh, I'm going to ask that God would bless this message titled, What Just Happened? Demon Possession. Someone sent me a text when they heard I was writing about that, and they said, that's dope. That's, a, that's, a, that's not talking about drugs. It's talking about, like, that's really cool. But uh, we're going to talk about it in a way probably you have never heard before. Uh, I hate to say that I've had a lot of exposure to this, and I want you to know that we're going to talk about this in a way that doesn't bring mysticism or attention to the devil, but solidifies the power and authority that we have in Jesus Christ. David said, you sh I shall fear no evil. And, uh, and then there's the other challenge. Is everything that happens with sickness or mental health challenges demon possession? Is it just 
folklore or superstition. There's lots of questions around this. And I'm not called to pastor the world. I'm only called to pastor you and the people that are watching. There are lots of people out there back in the day when they used to give out tape cassettes. We used to say as pastors, people had tapeworm because they'd listen to other people's teaching and they get infected with it. I'm not called to change the world. I'm not called to change much except to speak into your lives and allow God to change you, those watching online and those here. And so my comments are limited to help you be a better follower in Christ on this and see it with clarity. So this is going to be a preaching teaching, and we're going to get excited, and we're going to get insight, and we're going to get it through God's word. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray you would help us to hear what the, what the, what the word says. It is written, and so we're going to read it, and we're going to allow you to speak to us, and we're going to let your power be Lord over our life and be Lord over every evil that we would ever encounter and be Lord over being rational with this topic. Help us to grow through your word, we pray, and to realize that all authority was given to you. And as the Father sent you, you send us in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm actually excited to talk about this topic because it was one that I've had a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration with. Uh, I even tried to get the right graphics. You know, there was stuff where you Google demon possession and there's somebody going, oh, you know, there's a pentagram on the ground. Uh, uh, I, I kind of laugh a little bit at, at Salem because it attracts a lot of witches, you know, and they're just really into the spiritualism of it. And there's a big difference between people that are in Wiccan and witchcraft and people that are just blatant Satanists. They're fighting their tax-exempt status with the IRS right now. There is a church of Satan right in the city of Haverhill. And uh, God is real, but I believe with all of my heart, as sure as God is real, the devil is real, and demons, which are fallen angels with him, those are real too. And Jesus doesn't dodge this topic. And so if you would look with me, we're going to take a peek at Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 41. It's one event that happens, and then it expands a little bit, and it's worth me going a little bit over. But this is really bookended. This whole event is bookended by these words. Let me read them to you. Starting at verse 31, chapter 4 of Luke. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teachings, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit had the spirit of an unclean demon. Imagine, the devil goes to church. He's at a synagogue, he's at a church, and he cried out with a loud voice. Listen to what the demon says. Ha! He goes, what have you to do with us? That's, that's a demon's way and a Jewish idiom way of basically saying, what's your problem with me? Leave me alone. Jesus of Nazareth, he knows who Jesus is. He knows where he came from. He's in Capernaum, but he came from Nazareth. Somehow, there's supernatural insight here. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Now notice, you do not need an endorsement from the devil. You know what Jesus does right at that moment? Look at it. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent. That's Hebrew for shut up with your face. He says, shut up, be silent, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. 
And they were all amazed, and they said to one another, what is this word? What is this teaching? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. And reports of him went out into every place in the surrounding regions. Verse 38 says, Jesus heals many. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Those of you going to Israel, we're going to actually be right in this place of Capernaum. We're going to be standing right by the house. They built a church there. There's graffiti on the wall that says, Yo, Peter, sup, you know, basically in Hebrew. They, they turned it into a church usually in the ancient world, not the Crusaders, but when the early church under Rome, under Constantine, builds a building, nine times out of ten, you could be 95% sure you're in the right spot. So this is where at least we know Peter's house is. So it says, he left and he rose to synagogue, entered Simon Peter's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over and rebuked, look at this, not the demon. What does he rebuke there? The fever. And it left her immediately. And she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting and all those who had any who were sick and with various diseases brought them to him, and laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Just that he had time to do that, but the fact that every one of them was blessed and healed, that's, that was an amazing moment. And on top of that, notice, and on top of that, also came out many demons crying, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. In other words, Jesus is like, I don't need your endorsement. I don't want your endorsement. What just happened? What in the world? What? Those of you online, what just happened here? Demon possession. Very clearly. He's teaching on the Sabbath. His word possessed authority. The power in the name of Jesus is powerful. There is power in the spirit of God. There is power in God's word. And the Bible says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. You and I are carriers of the spirit and the power and the presence of God through God's word, through God's spirit. Your power in Christ does not reside in who you are, how good you are, how perfect you are, a single baptism today of one of those candidates that was baptized, that child could encounter demon possession and go up and pray to someone and say, hey devil, shut up and leave them in the name of Jesus. And the enemy would be subject to that power because it is the power of God, not the power of us. It's about Jesus. It's about his power. There's a man with an unclean spirit. That's a Jewish phrase, clean and unclean. It's another way of saying holy and unholy or good God, evil de devil, evil versus good. And the demon, look at what he does. He's, he's in a fit of panic and fear. He cries out with a loud voice, I know who you are. You've come here to destroy us. And that's exactly the word that Pastor Dylan preached last week. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives. Luke is very intentional. And the reason why we're going through a book is because they all interlink very intentionally. And Jesus is delivering on his word. How many of you are tired of people who oversell themselves and under deliver? Jesus will never under deliver himself in your life, in your hour of need, in your hour of darkness, in 
your hour of defeat, in your moment of failure, Jesus always comes out on top. He doesn't disappoint. And he's terrified. You've come to destroy us. They should be worried. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't get in a wrestling match with a demon. He doesn't get in a conversation. He says, shut up. Be silent. Come out of him. In other words, shut up. Get out. Never return. And never bother this person again. You are done. Eviction notice. It is not like the United States. You do not have nine months. There is no court of appeal. You have no right to ever be here. Go. And the man is instantly set free. Set free. There was a movement in the church some time ago that was saying that if somebody's possessed with a demon, you need to get all of the names of the demon. How many of you have ever seen that kind of at work? You know, we got to pray. We got to identify what the demon is. And it's well-intended, but it's not really biblical. I'll give you an example. It's really based off of when Jesus encounters probably the most severe case of demon possession, the, 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 the Gesenerate demoniac. He's there. The guy is living in a tomb, cutting himself with Flintstones. Uh, uh, that's not Flintstones, the cartoon, but, but like it's sharp rocks. Shop rocks. And he is in chains. He beats up everybody that walks by him. The town is terrified. It isn't even a Jewish area. It's totally Gentile, herd of pigs that are there. And the guy runs up to Jesus and, and he, he does the same thing this other demon does. He's terrified. What are you? You've come here to destroy us before our time. The devil knows that it is just simply a matter of time before he is destroyed and cast in the lake of fire. It is not a matter of if. In his mind, it is a matter of when now. In other words, he's trying to get the very most out of his existence until it's brought to an end in the lake of fire. And every time he sees Jesus in you and he saw Jesus in that place, he is wondering, is it time? Is it over? And so Jesus asks him this question. He says, what's your name? And the demon screams out and says, We're Le my name is Legion, for we are many. A Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. That's a serious force to be reckoned with, 6,000 soldiers. But notice, Jesus didn't go through all 6,000 names. He didn't even bring attention to the name. It's just he probably noticed this was a very powerful force, and he's fully God, but he's also fully man. Maybe he's limited here. What's your name? This is serious. This is significant. We're legion for we're many. He goes, well, guess what? 6,000 or six-tenths? He turns and he says, leave this man, and he sets him free. That's power, and he delivers the man instantly. He says, be silent and come out of him. What's the conclusion to this for me? You can be sure of this, that God's power and God's promises are sure that you can say with David in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. And whether you believe it or not, whether you've realized it or not, whether you like it or not, you are commissioned by God to set at liberty those that are captives. Whether you're in middle school or whether you're a great-grandmother, you have power 
whether you've been baptized or you've been in the church 50 years, there is power in God's presence. It's God's presence. You know, you always see on TV, it's always like a crucifix. Get back. Holy water. And then they do such cool stuff in the movies. I bet demons are like, that would be really cool if we did that, you know? Like, I mean, it's almost like over the top now with Hollywood, but can I tell you something? I've encountered this before, and it's not like, it's not like this, like, oh my gosh, and you know, the, the, there, there isn't, look at what scripture's showing. There isn't a tug of war. There's no competition. It's an instant deliverance. And usually, every, t- every time you see it in Scripture, it's not that Jesus is running around looking for it. He's praying for people, and it shows its ugly head at that moment. And Jesus addresses it. So when you, I, I, I was thinking back, Jesus said this in Scripture. He said, in my name, at the end of Mark 16, he says, in my name, you will cast out devils. You will cast out demons. That's what he says all of us could be doing and would be doing. And he said to the disciples, and he says to us, which is kind of crazy, you know? Uh, But it's, picture a moment where the love of God has filled your life. Maybe it was at a critical moment where you were being broken, and just God poured his love out on you, and you were just like, I love you, Lord. And he just reminded you that he's real, and he's present in your life. And it was so long since you sensed that presence, and all of a sudden, the love of God pours out. The Bible says God is love, and you felt that love pour on you. Now reverse that and picture the most putrid, reviling, arrogant, evil, forceful, intrusive presence filling a room, and that is demon presence. I'll never forget, probably one of the greatest nearby mentors in my life would be Jim Cimbala. I know, I've known his daughter. I, he used to come to the school a lot. I have to always reintroduce myself to him, so I just, ch- just listen to him from a distance. So it's like, uh, uh, maybe I'll do cheesecake with him someday, but I'll have to remind him who I am. So it's not like, you know, we're like this, but, but um, he was, he was uh, at one time when he was having ministry, there was somebody who was demonically possessed, and they began to manifest odd behavior and strange voices. And they gathered around this person and they began to pray for them. They laid hands on them. Guess what? You don't have to be afraid. Jesus, said, God, Jesus reminds us through David, fear no evil. They put their hands right on them. You don't have to worry about a curse jumping on you. The Bible says in Proverbs, like a fluttering sparrow and a darting swallow is a curse undeserved. A swallow and a sparrow are the only birds that can do 90-degree banks. If you've ever come to their nests underneath like staircases, they spend the whole time coming down at you, but they never hit you. It's like, ah! You can Google it, just darting swallows, and just take a look at it. But, but you, don't have to, you don't have to worry about curses. Uh, one of our neighbors is a professing witch, and and uh, they're great people. I love them, you know, but their beliefs about God and, and, and evil and all that is just wrong. And she was having this uh, witch gathering party and they were, had this pole and they were all doing all these little weaves and dances and, and, and go, you know, saying all these chants. And she, was, she would go out and every time she'd pound her congos through the week and, you know, some people like, oh, the devil, you know, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus. Come, you know, anoint the house. I'm afraid. You don't have to be afraid. That, that evil cannot harm you. You are under the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. You are under the care of God Almighty. That You don't have to be afraid of the devil. The devil is afraid of him. And so I walk up and I walk over there and I'm like, how you doing? Like, good. 
like we're just doing this, you know, party. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You guys are getting together. I go, I live right over there. You know, my wife and I and my kids and, you know, Bill and you know, they, these guys are really great people. And, and they were like, oh my gosh, they stopped there. They dropped their little things. They went over and they shook my hand. They're like, oh man, you're such a good neighbor. I wish you were our neighbor. I said, oh, I wish you were my neighbor too. Some people are in it and it's just, they just don't know about Jesus. No one's ever told them. They never heard it in a way that the, the love that they're looking for is God. And then there are other people that are just plain out there that are just absorbed and consumed by pure evil. And at this moment at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, when Pastor Jim began to pray, the demon began to laugh like a thousand voices layered over each other and said, this kind comes out through prayer and fasting. And he admitted, he stepped back, his heart fluttered, and he worried. And he said, wait a second. He is the father of all lies, and God is truth. What's the truth here? And he went up to the, the demon-possessed person, he began to speak to the demon, and he says, yeah, well, what about Calvary? What about the cross, you filthy liar? Get out of this person in the name of Jesus. What about the cross? What about Calvary? And began to cringe and say, we, we remember, we go, we'll go, we'll go, and that person was instantly set free. Not hours of prayer, Instantly. You don't have to fear the devil. He fears God. And he feels, fears the fact that you can call upon the presence of Jesus. It's not holy water and crucifixes and anointing oil on everything that the devil is afraid of. He's afraid of the presence of God. He's afraid of the Spirit of God. And Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, know ye not that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you. You don't have to put your confidence in you, you put your confidence in him if you ever encounter this. I'll never forget, I had a friend, I have a friend. I know he's going to be watching this sometime. His name's Rico. Everybody just say, Rico. Rico. They're doing that for you. His real name's Todd, but he likes Rico. He likes being called Rico. Rico is everything in the name you think it would be. He's, he's Italian guy and we were in Bible college, and this is somebody who would share Jesus with anyone at a moment's notice. We were driving down the road one day, and as we were driving down in his, his uh, I think it was a Cadillac or something, he had some flashy car. I saw a guy in the distance, and something just prompted me. I said, Rico, we should go share Jesus with him. He just, ah! he just does a U-turn right in the middle. I mean, I think he was going to kill us, man. It's like, don't kill the messenger, man. Come on, let's, let's go share Jesus. And he pulls in, and we get out. <laughs> and as we're talking to this guy, this guy could have been like a, a, a gymnast. He had that, I, I never seen somebody so like, but, so he was a pretty powerful guy. And we're talking with him and, he, and we walk up to him and Rico does his thing. He's like, hey man, I uh, wanted to give you this. This was the day where tracks were actually cool. Pa printed paper actually had some momentum to it. And he hands him a track and, and the guy takes it. He takes the track. You know, it's not like he starts burning. Ah, you know, people bread over this paper. It, and he looks at it, and he's flipping through it. He's like, that's good. You know? My friend Rico was talking about how God wants to forgive his sins, and, and the guy's just talking normal. And then we get ready to go, and all of a sudden he goes, hey, I just want you to know that it's only by the blood of Jesus that your sins could be set free. And all of a sudden the guy starts going. <laughs> he, I mean, like, I can't even imitate it. He acted. And so my friend Rico, he's, he's fresh off the streets, his golden gloves boxer, he used to collect for the mob. He, all of a sudden, he just sees the guy and he starts going like this. 
And I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, this is happening. And he looks at me and he puts me behind him and I'm like, he's going to knock this guy out. And I go, Rico, I go, he's demon possessed. And no lie, this is me. So you can either take my word or you can ignore it. And all of a sudden, the only way I could describe it, it was like a presence of nausea just filled the lot. I wanted to puke. It was so disgusting. And it was like a layering of several voices. And they start saying, we won't say it. Right. Say what? That's exactly what my friend Rico said. Say what? Knock you out. And I go, Rico is demon possessed. He goes, what? I go, he's demon possessed. All of a sudden, he throws his hands down, and it's like he's all over this guy, but not with his fists. He's all over him with his faith, and he's saying, just say it. It's only by the blood of Jesus, and the thing's going, ah. And I'm telling you right now, there's power in the name of Jesus. You don't have to punch the devil. You don't have to dodge the devil. He fears the God that you serve and the spirit that lives within you, and it is not you that does the work. It's him that does it. Now, the tough part of this is that I lost my spot. There we are. Thank you. You might be saying to yourself here, I don't know where I land on the demons, Pastor Paul. I've never seen it. What you're describing sounds like Halloween all year long. We're near Salem, Massachusetts. So all of a sudden, it's like, don't go to that part of the state if you're a Christian. Um, I had two friends, Guy and Tana Miller, they, they planted a church in that area uh, for the very reason of reaching out to people in that community. We're supposed to be salt and light, even to, to witches and warlocks and Satanists. And we're, we walk in a covenant with God. We're under his covering. But, but you might be saying, I, I just don't know where I land on it. Well, first of all, I'd say this. You can't ignore it because the, uh, if you are a Christian and you're listening to this because the gospel and demon possession are interwoven. So you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. We need to discuss it, but we need to discuss it right. We want our beliefs to be in alignment with God's book. And a Christian can have a distorted view of demonic possession and sickness and mental health that is off, just like a non-believer who chooses to think that none of these things even exist. Our beliefs need to be in alignment with God's word. And this is really the heart of what I want to hope to give to you here as a pastor teacher to you. So what are we left with here? We got a couple of possibilities. First, number one, demons in the demonic are simply ancient superstitions and were misdiagnosing people who had physical illnesses, diseases, handicaps, and mental health issues. That's fair. That's a fair thing to say because since often characteristics can look like diagnosis is we see all around us today, a homeless person, unmedicated. Any of you going out to serve our city, you probably see this all the time. Rage where somebody doesn't get what they want. Um, a gang member who has no remorse or guilt to hurt somebody. Epilepsy, watching somebody in seizures and reading some of the gospel accounts or even, um, you know, poor, 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 you know, you might have somebody in your family or you even in our church, our church is filled with people who love Jesus, but have parts of their chemistry that's broken and schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. And it's not your fault. And there's nothing wrong with you. And the devil isn't in charge of your life. And I would agree with you that there are many things in the book and the gospels that look like misdiagnosed things that the Bible calls the demonic. But the problem with this view is, is God's word addresses demonic possession separate from sickness 
and separate from some of those problems. Sickness and disease might be a part of demonic activity, but it's not all, but not all sickness and disease is because of the presence of demonic. Sometimes mental health challenges and sickness and demonic activity are different. But he delivers this man instantly. Some people have broken bodies, malfunctioning chemistry that never really fully recovered from trauma in their life. I want to introduce you to a friend of my wife's. His name is Mike Nicolaro. They used to call him in our city Crazy Mike. He was a Vietnam veteran, and he was in the medical field. He was a medic, and he saw enough death to last 10 lifetimes. And he left a whole person headed to medical career, and he came back a broken man, and he just never seemed to be whole. Mike would say some of the most foulest, violent things, but anyone in our town would tell you that he never laid a single hand on anyone. And so my, my wife really adopted a love for Mike. And one day he, he would sit out in front of uh, a market basket, and I, I don't even want to say the things he said. I can't say the things he said, but threatening things, you know, violent things. But he never laid a hand on anyone. One day he's making a scene in Heavenly Donuts, and he's freaking out, and my wife just says, Mike. He goes, what? He goes, uh, how do you like your coffee? He says, oh. And he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out pocket lint and buttons. And, you know, he starts throwing down stuff because he doesn't want to take it. And she goes, Mike, you don't worry about that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of it. And, and he says, oh, you know, something like cream or sugar. I don't know how he, t- I don't remember how he took his coffee. But, but then all of a sudden he's like, thank you, sweetheart. Listen, brokenness, trauma, not everybody walking around that is demon-possessed. It's just malfunctioning chemistry, unaddressed trauma, diseases, sickness. This is all the result of the fall. This is why God has to reset the world, is because we sabotaged it. We're our own worst enemies. We're capable of beautiful dreams, but horrible nightmares. So if a cautious reader of the Bible is apprehensive of believing in demonic possession, the Christian must have the right view, right? Not always, wrong. We can be off if our view of this alignment of God's word is not in alignment with what God's saying. We can be tempted to swing in the opposite direction and have an extreme belief, and that is really belief number two here, which is, All physical sickness, diseases, and mental health challenges are demonic and need to be driven out by the power of the Holy Spirit by Christians. That's an oversimplification and over-spiritualizing the matter. And it's not in alignment, and it's not biblical, And if you read the word completely. The problem is it claims that every sickness and disease or mental health issue is the result of evil demonic activity, and the Gospels don't back up that view. And I know that some of the people that might Uh, speak online or over a podcast or whatever might have a different view of that, but I'm telling you from somebody as a pastor teacher, I'm not called to convince the world or convince other leaders out there. I'm called to you. And I, I believe with all of my heart, the more we reach into the city and reach into the pit of hell, the more the pit of hell is going to reach back. And we're not going to be moved by that. And we're not going to give devil airtime. We're, we're going to be shut up and leave this person. And they're going to be like the people that we have today that are coming in and walking in an addiction and demonic oppression and and being set free and walking out as a child of God. That's what we're about. 
I'll never forget watching somebody bring their mentally ill uh, family member to the church and a pastor began to pray for them and they ran outside and ran in their car and rolled up the window and they were terrified and there was just something inside of me. Now, I, I, this is somebody who I admire very, very greatly, but th there was just something inside of me that just didn't seem like that was the issue there. And I could see the terror in this person's eyes, not the terror of a demon, but the fear of a person. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But you see this view, if we reduce everything to the demonic, it's, it, we, we damage people. Or we say to them, what, what happens if that person doesn't get liberated or doesn't get free? We, what are you left with? Well, now you begin to shame and guilt that person by saying it's because of the sin in their life. It's because of the lack of faith in their life. The Gospels don't back up that belief either. It says, one point the disciples came up to him, saw a blind man and said, Lord, who sinned that this man was born blind? Jesus says, nobody. Not everything is the result of sin or the result of demonic activity. It's we live in a fallen world. Jesus, uh, at one point, they said, we asked your disciples to cast out a demon for my son, and they couldn't. You're, and Jesus shows up, and he, he says, can you do it, Jesus? They couldn't. And he looks at them, and he says, you faithless generation, how long will I be with you? It's, and then he turns to his disciples. Listen, the only person getting rebuked for ineffective deliverance is not the person needing deliverance. It's the disciples. And he looks at him and he says, you faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? Can you please get it together and know that it's my father in heaven and his presence that delivers them, not you. They were probably sitting around the whole time saying, uh, be free. How did Jesus do it? Oh, you, you know, he, he walked around the demon that time. Yeah. You know, what, what's not happening? It's not in a formula. It's not in holy water. It's not in praying certain rites and rituals. It's not in getting the name of the demon. It's none of that. It's simply taking the presence of God and saying, Lord, as real as your presence is, bring it to bear on this situation. I am nothing. You are everything. In the name of Jesus, let that person go. And it's the same thing that God said to Pharaoh. And Moses, God said through Pharaoh, through Moses to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. Whether you are in love with Jesus with all your heart, or whether you have never cared to give him the time of day and you're watching or you're listening right now, you can, you are a child of God by creation, but he wants you to make you a child of recreation as his son and his daughter, loved and known and filled with his presence. That came out kind of jumbled, but you know what I mean. Can I give you two pieces of pastoral advice here, since I'm only called to pastor you and those that are watching here? First, this type of approach that everything's a demon has left a lot of people disillusioned and disappointed even abandoning their faith because they didn't understand things biblically. Whether it's somebody who was trying to do it and it never worked and they just gave up on it, or somebody who is on the receiving end of people who are doing that and they're saying they're supposed to be God is love and, and, and they're constantly treating me like a demon. I don't, I'm never going back there again. He addressed demonic possession when it was the cause, but he also separates when it wasn't. Listen to these verses here. I want you to see these and it would be a good thing if you went back and wrote these down. But Luke 7.21, he says, In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. He separates them. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight. 
Mark 1.34, he healed many who were sick of various diseases and cast out many demons. It's, it's his healing of diseases and people who had demonic possession. Luke 4.38 is a great one. He said he arose, left the synagogue, and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and we read this earlier, and they appealed to him on behalf. He stood over him and rebuked the fever, and, left her, and it left her immediately, and she rose. He didn't rebuke the demon. He rebuked the fever. But Peter was probably rebuking the mother-in-law, right? I've got good in-laws, by the way. That was a bad joke. All right. Never tell that one again. Check. I want to give you a third possibility here. A third belief that I think is biblical and is sound. And as your pastor, to teach you and undo some of the sensationalized teaching that's out there, to tell you mental health challenges are real. Sickness and disease is real, and unfortunately, as sure as God is real, demonic presence and possession is real too. I do not see anywhere in Scripture, after studying the Bible for over 30 years in both English and in Hebrew and in Greek, do I see anywhere that a follower of Christ is demonically possessed. I think that if a person doesn't understand what it is to be in a covenant relationship with Jesus— and isn't walking with him, that you invite trouble in your life, that you can wander away from that protection that God has to offer you. But I don't believe that you have to cower and walk around being afraid. Listen, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people through the years who have prayed curses over me from the church of Satan and the church of, of Wiccan and all that. And, and we're, we're going strong. God is good even when life isn't. And and, but you, as a child of God, you don't have to worry about that. But those things are real. But the power of the cross, the Spirit of God in us to drive out the demonic, that is real too. Not all sickness, disease, or mental health issues are, are the result of demonic presence. But sometimes demonic presence is manifesting and creating ailments in people's lives. And it would be ignorant of us in reading God's word to ignore that as well. At one point he says there was a mute spirit. There was a, this kind of thing. And this is where you have to be careful that you don't identify everything, naming it as the spirit of slothfulness, the spirit of lust, the spirit of rage, the spirit of, although that could be there, that could be at work in somebody's life. A friend of mine was talking about this the other day. He said, Paul, demons are like rats. Get rid of the garbage, and you'll get rid of the rats. And this is why we start the gospel very practically. Some people need a fresh coat and a fresh message of hope before a scary group of people rushing them and screaming at them in the name of Jesus. We have people coming into this church and into our community because they're one of us, because somebody like you, went out to the community and out to them, and they begin to find, listen, if it took 10 plagues to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt, sometimes it takes 10 steps to get somebody to a point where God can set them free. It's a process, and we don't have to be discouraged in that. The paralytic at the pool of Bethsaida we would be foolish to say that sin never is the result of sickness either because Jesus prays for the man. He says, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to walk? And the guy says, uh, 
you know, I want to, but every time the water's stirred down there, they say an angel stirs the water. There was a spring that used to bubble, and the, the legend was if you got in the water, the first one there won. Like, you're already at a disadvantage. Okay, how are you going to do that? You're a cripple. You know, first one in wins. He must have spent half of his life on the edge of the pool, and somebody got their toe, and he's like, Dum. every time. You're crippled, dude. You can't save yourself. And that thing isn't the answer. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? You see, not everybody who is in the situation that they're in wants to be healed of the garbage that's bringing the rats into their life. And I say this to any of you watching, any of you maybe who very likely could be listening and are vexed in your life. You sense a presence. You sense something. And you've been looking for so long to be free of it, but God is saying to you, you want to be free of it, you got to be willing to let go of the garbage in order to get rid of the rats. Jesus says, do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? And the guy said, yes. And he says, forget the water. Pick up your mat, rise and walk. And he does it. But here's the thing. Jesus bumps into him later, and this is what he says to him. He says, he's like, I can't believe it. It's awesome. You did this. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, stop your sinning or something worse will happen to you. Listen, you can't jump from bed to bed and person to person and not expect to catch something or spread it to your spouse. You can't go from needle to needle and bypass and think that you're always going to be the exception and not catch disease. Get rid of the garbage and you'll get rid of the rats. If you want to be free, there's enough power in Jesus for him to simply say a word. The Bible says that Jesus drove out demons with a word. His command, instant. None of this six days and crazy nonsense. I love What a friend of mine, Mike Caparelli, just created recently, he created a chart. We actually made it, and you can grab it on the way out, but he, he is a, a PhD. Can I just say something about degrees? I, I don't want to tote that just because somebody has a degree that it's better any more than just because somebody has a fish or a cross on their back of their car, they're a better Christian. The greatest people in the world that changed this world, the 12 disciples, none of them had an education. Think about that. You, all you need is God's spirit and an awareness that God wants to use you and allow him to use you in the way that he's made you. That's why we believe in that you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference because we really believe that, that God can use people like us. But the area that he specializes in is mental health issues, and he is actually a pastor who has seen many of the things actually together. We were on staff years ago, and we saw many of these things and together, and he put this together showing the difference between uh, how you could maybe in an indicating kind of way see the difference between just simple mental health-related issues and um, demonic activity, because they're not all the same, but sometimes those things are the byproduct of that. Here's what I want to close with here in a moment. I want to say one thought about spiritual warfare, and then I want to close with a personal testimony. You are in a war. Whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you've asked to be or not, you're in a war. The war is not only for your soul, but it's for every person that you have contact with, 
that you care about, that you love. The enemy came to kill, rob, steal, and destroy. That is what he's about. No one asked to be in World War I or wanted to be in World War II. Everybody talked tough about joining the military at different times, and many people rose in honor, but they had no idea what they were stepping into and came back broken or never came back at all. But you and I, whether we like it or not, we are in a war, a spiritual war. God warns us about this battle, and it's for a heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. And he goes and he says this, don't be ignorant. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Get it straight here. He says, the struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in this presence age. And then he goes and he says this phrase that is so powerful and important to have framed right biblically. Be strong in the Lord. You will always be weak. You will always be flawed. You will always be insufficient. But you, you do what you should when you have a healthy home and a good father. When things turn south or you fall and you fail or you, you, you sabotage yourself or someone else destroys your life. I used to always say this to kids when they didn't know where to go. I'd say, you're a kid, go home. Go home. Go home to your father. He can set your life straight. Be strong in the Lord. And let me tell you something about the devil. First Peter 5 says, in 8 says that he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That really doesn't mean much to us. Where are my friends in Africa who have heard a roar of a lion close to them or have understand the terror of what it is to live in a neighborhood with a lion? That the, they, that you, will, you, you don't even stand a chance. You're like that little gazelle that they just slaughter you. And they're climbing closer and closer to you in the brown grass because you can't even see where they are. Listen, the devil is a predator. When you become a Christian, you enter into a sphere of spiritual warfare. Everything that is wrong comes against you, every temptation to destroy you, and it comes against you like a tempest to wreck and ruin anything good in your life that you're trying to do. And you need to frame the devil properly. In fact, at one point when Daniel was talking and praying, he's, he's, and in the New Testament, it talks about us being careful that we don't insult celestial beings like angels, like treating them like a joke. It's like so many people are so flippant saying, the devil's just a kitty cat, you know? I mean, he isn't a kitty cat. He's a roaring lion. He is, you are no, no threat to him whatsoever. He will ruin your life. He will get you to ruin your life so fast. He is a force to be reckoned with, but he is not God. And that is our shelter. That is our strength. That is the God who fights on our behalf. He's not like God. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He, he's, he doesn't know everything. He is in all places at all time. He isn't all powerful. He's created like you and me. The angels, just like you and me, were created. And he rebelled and took a group of them with him. And that is why we have demons. That is what we have as a group that has been sentenced and the judgment is just pending. They are in a cell called earth and they are ruining anything that looks like God's image. And anytime God tries to do something good and beautiful and right in your life that even has a hint of who Jesus is, he tries to destroy it. And if he can't destroy it, he tries to neutralize it. And if he can't neutralize it, he tries to get you to destroy it on his behalf because he hates God and he hates everything about him because in jealousy he wanted to be him. 
He rebelled and took those angels. He was cast to earth. He is strong. He is not a pushover. He is not a joke. He is very real. What's unique about him is is that he doesn't announce his approach, but he's like a deceptive, subtle serpent and slowly slithers his way into your thinking, into your life, into your behaviors. He can even come like an angel and speak truth and give a spiritual experience. He uses distraction and you find yourself drifting away from your life of faith and your rhythms of Christianity. And you wake up one day and you say to yourself, how in the world did I get here? And I'll tell you exactly why. Because God has a plan for your life, but just as organized and as sure as God has a plan for your life, Satan and hell has a plan for your life as well. And if he can't destroy you because you're under the protection of God, he will use temptation to destroy you and get you to destroy yourself. That's all that happened in the garden. He got Adam and Eve to destroy themselves. Did God really say that? He's an expert at getting you to question God. And how, how many more greater minds than ours have ever questioned the existence of God to just play circular reasoning? And really the problem was is that they didn't like how somebody spoke down to them because some minister was was a little bit pushy instead of humble. Somebody was a little bit over-sensationalized or had the right scriptures and the wrong view and, and it didn't sit right with them and they drifted and now they're in this circle of like, I don't even believe in demons. I don't even believe in God. I don't even know what I believe anymore. You know, there have been greater minds than yours and mine that have been circling that, chasing that tail, wagging that dog. He's a predator. And this is why the Lord's Prayer properly in Greek doesn't say deliver us from evil. It actually reads, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. May I not be held in the grip and the power of one that is so powerful that I find myself in a place that I wander away from you and I'm stuck and I can't get free. Deliver me from the evil one, Jesus. That's a daily prayer. Jesus says, God, deliver me from the evil one. If I've walked into his grip, break it. Protect me from his schemes. Protect me from his traps, his landmines. He has no compassion. He has no heart. There's no bargaining with him. Lions don't reason with their prey. Any weakness or limp, Satan draws him like blood in the water for a shark. I haven't gone to church, prayed, living God's truth, asking for his intervention in my life, asking for his direction. That's like blood in the water. He smells that. I want to close with the merging of two stories here. Pastor Dylan was with me. Uh, actually, Enzo was with me. Well, Enzo was with me and you were with me one time with this. But I want to say thank you to everybody in this church who does security. They're probably unsung heater, greeters, ushers. Thank you for all of you that do it. Pat and Clint, thank you. Junior, thank you. Vivian, thank you. Whoever you are with the blue mask in the back there, thank you. Mike Giugio, I think, is on security today. Ben, thank you. Safety is an important thing. And healing's such a needed thing. I'll never forget. By the way, if you're watching Jane and Jim Jensen, you need to get back to church regular. <laughs> They're probably in here right now. What are you talking about? I was in church. 
Every single one of you watching online and here, you need to get back to church regularly. You need to re- you, listen because the devil's too powerful for your life. He's smarter than you. You, you just, you, you know, when you're trying to go upstream against something, it's not that you, you, you don't, when you stop paddling, you lose twice the distance because the current is going in the opposite direction. But Paul Travers, and the reason I say that is because Jim and Jane are a blessing to our church on Friday nights. They do celebrate recovery, seeing people get set free. But she had a high school friend and something in her heart made her reach out to this person. His name is Paul Travers. And she jumped on Facebook when people were on Facebook at that time and said, uh, hey, how are you doing? And he just began to go through the story of how he had cancer, lymphoma, and by a strange turn of events, he was in Florida, but then he found out that there was a treatment in Boston, and so he flew up. And he was part of our church for a season. And so I was like, man, if there's any place where he's gonna experience the power and healing of God, it'd be Brooklyn Tabernacle. 4,000, Tuesday night, 4,000 church prayer meeting. We need to do a church trip there so you can see the house of prayer God wants us to be. And I brought him there, and one of my friends is, the el- is an elder there, and so I talked with them, and we had a chance, and the whole room began to pray for Paul Travers. 4,000 people screaming at the top of their voice, God, heal Paul. Set him free. I don't know why, but I know that Jesus holds the keys to death. Satan is not in charge of hell. He's going to be a prisoner of it. He's not out for your soul. He doesn't even have control over his soul. He's out for you to destroy your own soul. He's not in charge of hell. But he found him, Paul, Paul found himself in that sick place. And unfortunately, uh, about half a year after that time, he died. And it was beautiful. Jane got to lead him to Christ. It was beautiful. He left this world a child of God. I was in the room and Dylan was in the room in those last hours when your brain, where your body just goes toxic and it's, you watch the person just convulsing or moving and it's not, it wasn't, it was just not a, it was an awful moment. And I, I he, him and I had become very good friends and it, it was a loss. We had his funeral here. I don't know why you pray for certain people and they don't get healed, but I do know that this life is not the point that we are going to be resurrected. I believe this with all of my heart, as sure as we're in this room, as sure as we're streaming live, as sure as all those things are, that one day, though we are dead, yet shall we live, God will raise us up. I'll see Paul again in heaven. But there was no demon at work in his life. But while we were there, I walked up to security uh, a different time we went there. Pastor Dylan, we had the whole staff at that time that was there at that time, and. I went up to the security guard because I remember a moment at the Brooklyn Tabernacle where a woman in the middle of the sermon came walking really funny-like down the aisle. And Brooklyn Tabernacle on, the, on Flatbush Avenue, when it was there, it had a platform that was, tw- I'm not exaggerating, like twice the height of it. It's like a high school platform, twice the height, and the seats just went out like that. And in the middle of service, this woman just comes walking down, and Pastor Jim continues preaching, and and they have the security team that's there. Thank you, security. We love and appreciate you. But that woman, by the power of Satan, literally from a standing position, jumped like it had to have been like eight feet and cleared the stage. 
landed in front of Pastor Jim and grabbed his neck and proceeded to choke him in front of 1,500 people. They took the woman's fingers off of his neck. The security team brought the woman back, but security team in church is as police-oriented as it is prayer-oriented. And they began to pray for her. And they said, Father, this woman has been a slave to Satan. Set her free in the name of Jesus. They knew it. They knew it was demonic possession. And instantly the woman was set free. When we were at church, now this is going back like 15 years when that happened. We were at church. I was at the Brooklyn Tabernacle and I walked up. They have the security now at the, at the bottom during pre-service prayer. And I was kind of like, okay, they take serious security. I walk up to one of the security officers and I go, hey, do you remember that woman that walked down in the middle of service and jumped up and grabbed Pastor Jim and started choking him? And then the security pulled him off and he, he smiled and he goes, I was the guy that pulled her off that night. And he said this, she's been a secretary in the church ever since. I don't think it's healthy for us to have horror movies as a regular diet. I think demons look at some of the stuff that goes on in there and be like, wow, that would really be cool if we could do that, you know? But I also wouldn't be foolish enough to tell you that every single sickness and disease and mental illness is demonic, nor would I be able to truthfully say according to Scripture. See, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. That's what Scripture tells us. The way that he describes some of the things that Jesus did and encountered is with the accuracy of a Greek physician. In fact, he's the only one that says that when the guy had leprosy, the Bible doesn't say that he cleaned him like the other Gospels. The Bible says that he touched him. See, that was a death sentence to touch leprosy. But the Bible says Jesus touched him and healed him. I tell you now, in the name of Jesus, you don't have to be a prisoner to Satan. You don't have to be a prisoner of the fear of what if over your life, that your house is demonically haunted. If terrorists terrorize, demons demonize. You don't have to have conversations. You are a child of God, and that power drives it away instantly. And here's what I'd like to do across this room and across the airways. I'd love for you to stand. And if you can, if you are medically challenged and that hurts your knees, please don't. Jesus can reach you right in your sitting position. But if you're at home, stop multitasking. I want you to think of every area in your life, every moment in your life, every person in your life. But you just know, like, there's just demonic activity there. A guy came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, my servant's sick. Uh, and Jesus is like, okay. He starts putting on his backpack and G the, the soldier says, no, 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 you don't need to do that. I understand what authority is. You just say the word and they can be healed. That person that you're believing God for that the enemy's dragging away, he can touch him right now. She, he can touch her right now in the name of Jesus. That area that fear has been ruling you, that's his only power over you is the fear. You don't need to fear any evil. So right now, with our hands raised, I'd, I'd like for you to think of those people, those places in your life maybe that you need to shore up. You need to strengthen your covenant relationship with God. It's a two-way relationship. But, but Father, right now in the name of Jesus, you drove out evil with a word. If there's someone here, even someone watching online that has any presence of demonic activity in their life, in their family, 
we say right now in the name of Jesus, cease and leave, never to return in Jesus' name. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We don't have to make a show of it. Lord, you do the work and it is instantaneous. Lord, if there is sickness that is connected to demonic presence, Lord, right now we pray the rat goes because the garbage goes in Jesus' name. Lord, we take inventory of the garbage in our life, the things that we know shouldn't be a regular part left on the table for rats to feast on. We make a commitment to clean up after ourselves in our life. We don't admit, we don't make a commitment to be perfect because we can't make that. You know, that's why you sent your son. But we make a commitment to raise the bar in our life so that we can break the bars in people who are bound, break the chains, to let Psalm 64, 61 be, 62 be that one. Lord, the spirit of the Lord is on us to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are captive. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray one last time, be free in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we're closing off this service, singing a song, not about the fight, not about the struggle, because when you intervene, it's not about that, but singing and glorifying you. It's all about you. The attention is not on the demon. The attention is on you. The endorsement isn't in the methods and the people. It's in you. And to that we sing in Jesus' name. Join us glorifying Jesus here for what he's done and what he will do through you. Thank you again for being with us today. To listen to our messages, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And go to ne-cc.org for all news, events, and updates. Thank you and God bless.